listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I'm here with Sploosh from the Danger Room. What's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me. I'm glad this is weird. I, I can't even remember the last time I did this podcasting with you. It's been. I know. I know what the topic was because I still love that topic. But uh, it was, remember, it was Enchantress and Angela, and that was. Mm. I think in Christmas time or something, it was like before they actually came out for us Americans. Yep. Sounds, Um, sounds accurate. So we're looking at well over a year. Well, so I got a totally non MCP related question to kind of warm things up. So uh, if all of a sudden, like tonight you fell into like a radioactive pool of water and suddenly gained like water bending powers, would your superhero name be sploosh? Would, would villains be like, Oh no, it's sploosh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, so the sploosh has become really popular, a, a word at like well after I kind of came up with it, if you will. And, uh, so I had to come up with creative ways of being sploosh while also not being sploosh. So I would often put sploosh IRL. And the idea was that I've been sploosh for so long that I've just become sploosh in real life. Mm. Uh, not like so, sploosh official like you know that could be you know how yeah uh, yeah i just i i can't like if people meet me in real life and say sploosh i would be less shocked than if they said my real name you know? <laughs> i've definitely been there there are still a lot of people that refer to me as ominous in person and some people were like i can't imagine referring to you as charles um, but then there are other people on the opposite side so i i totally get it yeah, when I met Sooner at Nashcon, I was calling him Sooner all the time. I yeah, I don't even remember Sooner's real name. I would call him Sooner as well, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, well, Sploosh, you and I are going to talk about the recent crisis change. We've, we've probably both mentioned it on our shows already, but we thought it'd be a fun topic to dive into. There's already been like a bunch of Facebook posts and such, and people talking about like what this means and what it doesn't mean. Um, but let's start off with, uh, I'm just kind of curious, what was your initial reaction? You hear about these changes. What, what crossed your mind? Mm, I mean, just kind of like why? i like the way they did it and that's probably because i am a bit more on the competitive side and i like what the current system does for you uh just as like an example and we'll get into this in more detail later but like demons downtown is just super popular right now and um i was a little slow to accept it for various reasons but what you could do is have like a demon's downtown in your three cards. And then it's like, I would see it as like in a card game, a sideboard card where you kind of could keep it. You wouldn't have to use it because maybe you use two other objectives, two secures, but randomly when a bad matchup comes up, like say web warriors or something, you could kind of just say, Oh, well, I hope I get my demons downtown. And then you'd feel like maybe you got a little bit of a boost against something, you know, maybe a matchup that, didn't feel so strong. So I really liked just having that agency to kind of like think ahead as to like what is a problem for me and trying to find creative ways to make it less of a problem, you know? Yeah, for Um, sure. So to lose that agency, uh, you know, honestly, like anytime someone hears they're being nerfed or maybe like a little bit of power is being taken away, you feel like 
a little defensive, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, just being honest is my first impulse was like, Oh, why are you doing this to me? But you know, <laughs> I had more time to think about it. And I'm not saying I, I like it or hate it at this point. I honestly don't know. I'm just really left undecided because I haven't personally actually utilized it yet because I've been busy with season six of the TTS league and, you know, people, and I've gone to a real life event like two weeks ago and, you know, they weren't using it then, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think anyone looks at this and goes, one of their first thoughts is like, well, those, those counter picks where, you know, sometimes you would bring spider infected specifically to target maybe black order or something like all those counter picks are obviously might be a thing of the past now where you're not going to take a counter pick because you don't want to get trapped into it in a matchup where it's actually better for your opponent than it is for you. Yeah, that would be the punishment. You know, it's, it's another incredible example. It's like research station and then your opponent's criminal syndicate, you know, yeah. <laughs> where you feel like you just gave them another awesome op- option. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we get into the nitty gritty of it, but yeah, like the, the whole counter pick and bad matchup and that kind of stuff, um, it's kind of gone. And that, that makes me nervous that I guess another impulse was like, well, are your bad matchups just now worse matchups? You know, is it be kind of, is it going to be more paper, rock, scissors? And that's sort of the rabbit hole your mind goes to when you start thinking about all these changes. Cause it, it yeah. seems like not a big change. I imagine for some people, they wouldn't even think it is a big change, but for well, people like me who put a lot of thought yeah, into this pretty game, significant change. Yeah. It, the, it, I think it's bigger than that. So. Yeah. The question for us in this episode and going forward is really like, what does this change actually mean? My, my first instinct was that this change was meant to have a larger variety of crisis actually played. And so to use an example, is it four out of five or five out of five finals of TTS leagues have been played on Gamma Wave? Oh, I know it's at least uh, four out of five, but I don't remember what season four was. Season two, season three. What was season four? That was Pat again. No, I don't think Pat and Travis played it. I think they played a, a map B and then season I, five was Gamma, I yeah. think. Yeah, I was just watching that game. So, yeah, it's four so it's out, of out of five. five. Yeah, no, I think it's three out of five, but it's still a lot. Uh, it was four out of five. Because it was no. one, two, three, and five. Well, season one, no, because I was in season one with Sooner, and we played, um, oh, geez, the map B. Uh, oh, ex- okay. It's an infinity. I, I stand corrected then. I could have sworn it was in the, in the I mean, first one. Three out of five is still a lot. You yes. Know? And it it's like back at LVO in 2019, obviously there was a whole lot less crisis to choose from, but it felt like I was playing in Gamma Wave almost every game. And it, I think maybe to a certain extent, it became a um, maybe comfort zone sort of thing where people have a lot of practice on it. So they feel, feel good in it. And it definitely you can you definitely have a lot of teams that can build for it in varieties of ways um and not to say that gamma wave specifically is the problem i'm just using it as a uh as an example of if there are certain crisis cards that are getting played this much maybe it will be better for the game overall 
if it's not getting chosen as often and forcing people to play in a larger variety. Because say compared to say something like War Machine, where if you played in a four round event, you were not playing the same scenario or crisis at all. You generally would play in four totally different ones. Whereas now you could play in an event, you know, prior to this change or even after this change, theoretically, it's still possible. You could play in the same crisis every single round, which can be both boring and it can tilt team design and that sort of thing. Yeah, Gamma definitely was super popular in the beginning of the game's life. And I know, like, for the Australians, they were... I feel like for as much as most of the world was playing Gamma, somehow Australia was actually playing it even more than that. So, (laughs) you know, it was crazy. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I can't relate either, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I didn't even like Gamma back in the day. I loved um, playing Map B, like Infinity um a lot more and i liked with cabal having more characters because like i always played modok and i felt like modok and red skull just took up such a significant portion of my team that i didn't get to like i just felt like i wanted more characters to play so i didn't like 15 threat at the time um but yeah people were definitely in love with gamma and that's probably what made shuri seem maybe better than she actually was i mean shuri was always pretty good but she dominates Gamma, and everybody loved Shuri back then. So, Yeah, I mean, when Shuri came out, nobody was playing extremist consoles for the most part, and nobody was playing Deadly Meteors, and almost everybody was playing Infinity Formula and Gamma. And so it was like, well, if all you play is the stuff that she's great in, even though she's only great in half of the Crisis, yeah. if you're always playing those half, she's going to seem ridiculous. Um, but yes, obviously, we've we've leaned particular directions where there's like maybe a third of the crisis cards or what most people were actively selecting. Like, I mean, Mm. you can see it in the numbers, right? If you look at like Jacob's articles and stuff, they're like, there are very clearly favorites right now. The big question will be is after this change, are we just going to have different favorites or are we actually going to see the other crisis cards taken more often? Or is it just um, going to be a flip? Like, are you just going to see like, oh, well now people stop taking crisis X because it was more of a counter pick. Everybody grabbed it, but it was always a counter pick. Um, yeah. And that, that's a more difficult question to answer. Yeah. Well, I think demons downtown for the last year kind of took over as like, as far as secures it, it's so it will there's a lot to it okay so i don't know how we want to get into this but like there's first there's a question of why do people even take these things in the first place you know i mean we discussed counterpicking and demons downtown is definitely counterpicking um but it's counterpicking on like multiple layers too so first of all just the fact that it incinerates people that's really strong against like web warriors or people who are trying to um not die (laughs) <laughs> or like maybe don't have a lot of hit points, you know, there's a lot of like reasons that you don't want to be incinerated, but like web is probably one of the more extreme examples of like a team that doesn't want to be incinerated. And, and in contrast, um, black order has a lot of characters with, you know, invulnerability or minus one damage. So they can, they can handle it a lot better. So one thing I want to clarify is make sure that we're meaning the same thing that when we say counter pick, 
Because I look at Demons Downtown and feel like that's a primary pick for a lot of teams. Like, there's a lot of people who are choosing it, like, obviously you have, like, the Defenders teams that wanted to, like, portal and drop MODOK in people's face right away. Like, a lot of people were choosing that specifically because that was their primary plan. And so yeah. I want to make sure when I say counterpick, I mean something that you're only really selecting it in specific situations where you're trying to, like, hurt your opponent, where it's not necessarily your favorite crisis. I was wondering, if is that the same way that you're using it in this instance? Well, the thing is, there's so many layers to this. So the other thing about Demons is it's also the slowest secure in the game. Um, it's actually kind of funny if you think about it. Um, if you ask yourself, what are the slow secures? There's actually nothing slower than Demons except for uh, Intrusion Opens Across the City, which is the new one that comes with Dormammu. Uh, it's, and you think about it, Demons is an E, right? And yeah. the Intrusion's a C. But D, E and C are basically the same thing. You just you kind of like, you know, do the 45-degree flip-flop. Or is, yeah, 45 degrees, right? You just flip it the other way, you know? Yeah. Um, but those, you know, and it's like we've been talking Gamma and Demons. I mean, those are kind of like the, the Brawly lineups. And C is basically, again, Brawly as well, just kind of in an inverted way. Um, so, so like, then the question is, well, who wants the game to go slow? That would be teams who want to kill, and that would be attrition teams. Like, Black Order is a great example. Because Black Order is not only winning with the we don't mind incinerates that much, but they're also winning on the we want the game to go slow. So, yes, for, like, Black Order, demons would be a primary thing that they would probably force literally every single game. And I, like I told, and not only that, but 19th is actually pretty good for them as well. Um, the thing is, there are the teams that are not Black Order, like, not as good at killing. Uh, for example, I played Demons with X-Men. Uh, Mike and I both made top eight and, and uh, NashCon playing an X-Men roster, and we both brought Demons. So... You know, would I play demons into Black Order? Actually, that's kind of a weird a whole other thing. But well, obviously, <laughs> so demons also synergizes really well for the teams that like have buffing effects, right? Like, say, Brotherhood, when you know we got Magneto potentially giving cover within range three, or um, you know, if you've got a Defenders team with Strange being able to like heal and buff people, like there's a lot of ways you can potentially take advantage of demons. So I can I can yeah. see why it was a popular pick. Oh and yeah, so, like that's the thing. It, it, defenders could portal onto it, and even though they're getting incinerated, like you said, they get the defense. But then also, they're kind of an attrition team the way they're playing. If you're doing the defenders portal shenanigans. But then it's a not always, right? Because you talked to Jacob, what, last week? And, yep. uh, I mean, he goes into his whole cubes thing so they can kind of pivot. Um, and, and what we're really talking about here is actually who's the beatdown, which I don't want to get into a long thing on that because that's a whole episode. Um, but I will, to simplify who's the beatdown, I find there's, like, basically two situations that happen in this game. It's basically... The guy who, if he just survives and keeps the game state even, like literally nothing changes, like basically don't die, that would be one player, one option, you know. So, for example, the guy who's holding three spider infected and the other guy is only holding two spider infected, assuming like nothing else is, you know, changing, like you're playing like a, I don't know, let's say Fisk or something, and you're both just hiding in your corner. 
the guy with three spiders would be winning. And if he doesn't, if nothing about the game changes, that guy wins the game. So that's uh, player A, let's say. And then the other guy is the guy that is forced into a situation where he needs to change the board state. So mostly that means you have to kill things, but not always. You could play like Enchantress or Black Cat or something and like, or even Miles, right? And steal their their extracts. Or if you gain an advantage in the secure, you're like, okay, well, if I'm switching things where now I'm scoring three out of four secures, the fact that you're scoring three out of five extracts, you you have to change something. You can't let it stay static is what you're saying. It's important to recognize who... It's important to recognize which person is currently winning if the game stays static. And if it's not you, you need to be able to examine what am I going to do to change the game state and change the scoring? And maybe that's days of character. Maybe it's get an extract. Maybe it's, you know, somebody moves up and throws some people off points. You know, that, I mean, that that's the fun of the game, I guess. Right. Like that's. Yeah. It can get tricky though, too, because I'm trying to, I don't know if I can think of an example at the moment, but I've played uh, map B actually is a good example of this. So I don't know, let's just say you're playing like panic and you both have two citizens and then you're playing like map B and you both score, you're like your side. So the score is like tied, but if somebody can like double move like lizard onto their side of a map B and just even like stop them from scoring once, then now you're up by one. And then you can just run your lizard away and now you're up by one theoretically the entire game. So even if you create like a tie in that like uneven situation, kind of like what made me think of it is like you're saying, like if I had three spiders and then you took one of my secures for a turn and then you tied it. Yes, maybe you tied for that turn. But if I scored like that one point extra on turn one, then I'm just up by one anyway. And you still haven't actually fixed the problem. You see what I'm saying? So. You have to, um, so anyway, yeah. So there's like these two states of the game where you're either like winning or you're not winning. And then if you're not winning, you have to fix it. And often teams that are trying to like kill people, which the best example is Black Order, uh, they want the game to go slower, have like more turns to play. That's So the other thing is the game ends when you score 16 points, right? So, you know, the more fast teams, they could potentially win in three to four turns and for a team like Black Order, they need generally more than three to four turns to actually win because they're playing fewer minis. They can't hold the secures extracts as well. And the whole point of their minis is to kill your character. So they need time to do it. So if the game's going too quickly, then they have no time. They, they, you know, they lose that sort of like advantage they're trying to have over you. So, you know, so you want to slow the game down. Let's bring it back to the crisis selection. Um, So I think a fair thing to say is like prior to this crisis change, you might see something like, say you're playing an offensive team like Black Order or something like that. You might select, um, you might select Gamma Wave and um, Demons Downtown as two very aggressive, you know, center focused crisis that you feel like you can gain a lot of advantage on. And then you might have a counter pick in there. Maybe maybe your counter picking sword or something is kind of your your third one that you might spring on someone in a weird situation. And that seems like a kind of a common design, but obviously that's probably going to change, right? In most 
cases, if you have a third counter pick that isn't going to be something you want most of the time, you don't want to get stuck with it. So do you think that secures are going to shift for people where they're going to probably try to just pick like their best overall three for themselves? One thing too is we don't, we only have the secures and extracts we have now, right? So for example, you can force map D because there's three map Ds that exist in the game currently, but you can't actually force map B and you can't, I believe, force map E either. There's only two E's, there's only two B's. So automatically that's a bit of a shift in the game. Um, and like you said, you can't counterpick. Um, I know when I played Black Order in, and I made cut last season, um, I was playing, like you said, I, um, Gamma, I was playing Extremists and then Demons. Um, I, the, the new trick is people are jamming sword and doing these crazy like 14 unaffiliated things. But the bottom line is you kind of need like three um, really good cards. I, but often what Black Order would do is honestly just jam Demons or Gamma and just ignore the third card for the most part. So weirdly, like there isn't like a great actual third card for a traditional Black Order. And we, I hate to keep using Black Order as an example, but there's kind of a reason. So like, and maybe I should get into this as kind of a leeway is the extremes of the game, right? So there's the super crazy killing teams, which pretty much no one beats Black Order for doing that job. And then there's the complete opposite of Black Order, which would be, like, in my opinion, Web Warriors. I think Wakanda probably too, but lately, like, in my opinion, Wakandas have been going down a little bit in popularity and maybe even effectiveness. And I think Web Warriors have kind of taken over a little bit. Um as like the like faster team that can score on you. And um, so, so because there's these two like dramatic parallels that then you're going to have, like, it's going to be in theory easiest for those teams to pick their three cards because they know really well what they want to do and they can focus on it. So, so if you're playing, like I said earlier, the black order, they want to slow the game down. And then if you're playing web words, you want to speed it up. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about Black Order for a moment then. So obviously, if we agree that in most cases, Black Order was taking Gamma Wave and Demons Downtown. Yep. Now, they've got to be thinking about a third one. And maybe that's the new, uh, uh, the new Demons Downtown, the, uh, the Dormammu portals. Yeah, maybe that's think... going to be their third one now. Um, mm. But either way, it's probably a good thing if we're meaning like so many people are choosing demons and so many people are choosing gamma. Now things have got to diversify a bit and people have got to pick a third and a third of the time they're going to have to play that. Yeah. No, that that's probably a good thing because it's yeah. One third, you know, 33% of the time, you know, you're going to play something maybe you don't want to play rare before it was like, basically they'd hundred percent get what they want. So There's a lot of, like, tactics in this. I mean, I don't think there's much more to say on, like, their side. I'd be curious to maybe flip the coin and what would a Web Warriors player take just because it's interesting to see the other side, you know? Well, Web Warriors Um, feel particularly good on D-Crisis. So, right, so, like, Extremists seems really solid for them. mm. Um, uh. uh, what's the one that well, comes... there's cosmic invasion? Yeah, cosmic invasions also feels good for them. 
Yeah, spider portals is kind of awkward because they are low on power. Yeah, I don't game. like spider portals for them, for sure. Yeah, so I think you'd pass on that, even though you could yeah. do it for the extra. I don't know that you but want But they to. could do Infinity Formula as their third. I mean, they're not necessarily hyper-advantaged. Yeah. in Like, it's not one where I'm like, Web Warriors are the best at Infinity Formula. But they're fine. They like the extra power. They make really good use out of it. Um yeah, actually, I would say they're great at it. Um, yeah. Black Cat can every single turn do her, like, stagger trick, which is pretty dirty uh, because of the bonus power, you know? And then, you know, Miles can, like, grab something and then move on to the Infinity and then have a jump ready to go next turn, or obviously Amazing Spider-Man as well, right? Yeah. So that stuff's pretty good. Or Venom, you know, they all if you, a lot of the Web Warriors actually struggle with the power, like we said earlier. And so Infinity is getting actually better for them, in my opinion, because I think Black Cat's the real deal. And I think with Hulk coming around, um, I don't know that you guys mentioned this last episode, but um, being able to auto-stagger Hulk every turn is pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. so he, Infinity, does, he definitely doesn't like stagger. Yeah, so jamming Infinity into a Hulk team probably couldn't hurt if you're running Black Cat. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Now, let's say, um, I know that you are not the hugest fan of the pay-to-flip crisis, but obviously I have enjoyed it in the past, and with Asgard, there are three pay-to-flip crisis. You have mm. Mad Men, um, Spider Portals, and Deadly Meteors, and so I'd feel perfectly fine playing Asgard with all three of those, so that doesn't really change there. Um, but maybe maybe we should flip this to Extracts, because this is probably where it gets even more complicated. Because, like, say, say for example, I saw a post on Facebook pop up, and someone was like, "Does anyone take the 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 odd number extracts anymore? Because if you don't have priority, you you could get forced to play it in a situation where your opponent gets to grab, you know, grab one first, and always has the opportunity to potentially go to three out of five cubes, that sort of thing." Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the truth, but it does potentially seem like choosing your three extracts may may get harder and we may see more or maybe see less variety in the overall extract. Um, and maybe we should start with an example. You, you're playing an X-Men roster primarily right now or did you switch to something mm, else? We've kind of cooled off on them after NashCon. I think I did pretty well, but I think that roster is not going to get better right now. Uh, obviously, Rogue and hopefully Gambit will be. I mean, Rogue looks amazing. So I'm waiting, you know, for all the reveals to re. re well, so what are you playing right now? Uh, Dormammu. Okay. Dark so what, what, what are your extracts? What's your whole crisis selection for your team right now? Uh, Demons, because he's immune to incinerate and he wants to kill things, so slow the yep. game down. Um. What am I playing? Uh, <laughs> You're playing. I'm playing demons. I believe it's Spider Portals and Mutant Madmen. Even though I do think I probably should be playing his card, I'm not convinced yet. It, I am. There's some things that make me nervous about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dormammu feeds me a lot of power, so I don't mind having the Spender cards as much. Uh, so Mutant Madman and, and Portals. And part of it, too, is I hate Web Warriors. So, like, anything that makes them sad makes me happy. Um, Fair. Also, I hate Syndicate. Criminal Syndicate's very strong. So having those 
spender, you know, to pay to flip, as you say. Um, yeah, that having a counter to syndicate makes me happy. Um, and at least it's it's a counter pick that you're not bad at in general. It's some, still something that seems like your team, you know, as you said, with yeah. Dormammu's leadership can potentially handle it anytime. It's not, it doesn't require any special situations, but it definitely web warriors and criminal syndicate in particular don't love those crises. Yeah. It's just um, two kind of feisty opponents. Um, you know, you, you play, you mentioned Asgard. I mean, Dormammu is basically turning my team into Asgard. And, and then if I play Asgard, it's even better. Right. Um, so yeah, that's and not to mention um, Dormammu is at his best from like seventeen or higher threat, and I have nineteen, eighteen, eighteen, you know. Nice. So, so what yeah, about that extracts? Works out. What's what's the extracts for your Dormammu team? Well, I the extracts I actually took for um, season six I don't like that much. <laughs> I learned that in round one when I had to go against defenders. I was like, oh, he's just like better at this than me. Um, but so just for example sake, what did yeah, you choose? What I want it to be. Um, so I took deadly meteor or deadly legacy or whatever, but or virus, I'm not a fan. Um, I think what I want it to be is Montesi alien ship and, uh, hammers. Um, because I'm getting, like you said, the 17, 18, 20 for threat. So I like that. Um, even though with Montesi, if, if they get middle, it's still slow enough where like, I'm not freaking out that like, you know, they're going to run away with the game. Yeah. Going um, two one versus three, two is still a big difference. Yeah. And Montesi has the, like, you can only hold one at a time kind of thing. So it can slow down those like pesky extract stealers. Um, you know, the yeah, beam no, doesn't really punish me at all. I'm not too worried about having a mystic beam for either myself or my opponent. Um, yeah. Alien can't ship grab is... two on round one because the character can't hold both. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not, not that I'm worried about any combo. I'm just anytime you can slow down Enchantress or whatever, I'm happy to do that too. You know. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Alien ship slows the game down to a, a literal halt and gives me twenty threat, which I mean, that's just great. Uh, and then hammers is like you probably know this. It's kind of considered like the neutral zone one. You know where yeah. like you know, we each get two and let's, let's just call it a day. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It feels like in, everybody likes infinity formula and hammers. That game is always fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I've always <laughs> kind of liked hammers and, and I, I have research in right now instead of hammers, but that's 16 threat, which kind of puts me in the danger zone of like a threat. I'm not as excited about. And then also, Again, research, and then someone's playing defenders and just plops their teleport device, you know, on the research station. You know, it seems like an unfair advantage when you have a, a portal to the actual research station. I mean, you know, literally, it's a thematic problem for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. So does the so let's just say if you were to go into an event right now and you wanted to play this roster, and if they're going to use the new crisis rules. Are there any of the extracts where now you wouldn't necessarily want them knowing that it's totally random and you're not going to get to like pick between two of them? Or does, does this set of uh, extracts totally fine for you? Yeah, well, the way I have it set, I'm completely happy with it. But see, this is maybe a topic to discuss, but Dormammu is kind of on the 
like Black Order side of men, its mentality, it's very focused on what it does and almost nobody can do what I'm doing better. So I don't have to worry about the whole like, who's the beatdown conversation. See, that's when it gets weird, and this is where I'm concerned, um, is if I was playing X-Men, sometimes when I play X-Men, I turn into like the killing team because I have to, because I can't out extract people. For example, let's say I just lose priority and someone steals like a middle spider, you know? Because X-Men is well known for being able to go middle with Storm's leadership and steal a middle extract. It's kind of like their thing. But that only works when you have priority. So if I lose priority, it's not as good. So you kind of have to become like better at killing at that point. And so the problem with a team like the X-Men is in games when you need to pivot and change your whole strategy, it's harder, you know, like, so with the current system, I could mold the game based on what I know will happen. For example, I lost Prio, so I'm going to change up my like secure or extract based on that knowledge. And research station was a very popular tactic because like an Angela or amazing Spider-Man, they can't steal the research station. So you don't lose the agency of being second player with the new system it's it's a challenge. I'm not saying there's no solution, but I think the intention with AMG, and they even said this, is they want your 10 characters to sort of decide how you pivot instead of the objectives, which is a noble idea. The problem is you need a, a good roster and enough slots like if, to just make all that work. I'm not saying it's not possible, but like, man, it's kind of tough. Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure you've experienced that like 11th character syndrome, right? Where you're just like, oh man, I really love this character. There's just no way I can fit them. Right. And yeah. there's also something where I probably have handled, I probably played and practiced and dojoed Asgard more than any other affiliation. And um, I'd have to look at things now, but there was a point where I'm like, I felt like I could play my Asgard roster into anything. And mm. I had a plan for every threat level, every potential matchup. But then you start a new affiliation, right? And mm. you're like, all right. So like right now I'm working on, I want to play more Avengers. I was always frustrated that I couldn't ever make Avengers work. I was always like, man, how are Avengers this awful? Um, but now we've got, you know, Captain Sam and... I wanted to like experiment, see all the new Avengers characters. Um, but man, trying to figure out when you got a totally fresh roster and you're trying to think about all these potential different matchups that you might want to play it into. And like, how do you, how do you select your crisis for them? And going like, okay, if I pick spider infected, but I don't have priority and then I have to play spider infected and mm -hmm. they grab the center one, what's my plan? Uh, and I'm like, well, maybe yeah. do I include Lizard? And so I have like a really good character to go grab an objective on the other side of the board. And maybe I include exceptional healing because I do like Deadpool as an Avenger. And if you're going to play something like Cubes and Spider Infected, having two characters with healing that can, you know, they obviously don't uh, heal the damage right away, but they're never going to have more than one damage worth of cube damage on them, really. Um yeah. And if you're going to play Deadpool and Lizard, you have a good chance at exceptional healing, you know, keep somebody alive holding an objective. But I'm like, man, it's just, it's, it's really complicated because it does. So I was thinking about this today and it feels like at a kind of a core, if you set everything else aside, generally speaking, 
the person who has priority has an advantage in the extract game. And if you don't have priority, generally speaking, you get to be the last person to like move onto a point or push someone else off a point. So if you don't have priority, you, you have an advantage in the secure. So in a, if you stepped back and you were just thinking about those two things, you'd think that in general, the person with priority would choose the extracts and the person without priority would choose the secures. But since secures also create, create the whole layout for the game, the whole formation of everything, it puts so much value in going, well, because there's so many different formations, choosing formation basically ends up being the most important decision that everybody wants to make. They want to choose, this is the layout that I want to play on. And then the effects of the crisis are kind of secondary. And so it almost feels like there isn't enough reason to be choosing the extracts. Hmm. Yeah. Like I find that even currently that I'll look at somebody's extracts and if it's like, all the stuff I would have played anyway, it's like, okay, well, I have priority. So (laughs) I'm going to just let you choose the extracts I like, you know, literally anything that puts something in the center of the board, especially if I was playing like X-Men, I'd I'd be more than happy to let them play their extracts, you know? Uh, That that was why I think Research Station became really popular for a while um, is because Really, like it's a whole conversation of what is good when you don't have priority. And then now with this randomizing system, like research went from, I think, the hot ticket to maybe not a good card or a meta call. Like if you know your local game store doesn't have any criminal syndicate players, then by all means, jam research station because research station is weird, too, because like you said, secures are kind of like better if you lose prio and research station is basically a secure so if you, I mean, if you, so let's think about it. Like, like you said, right? So you lose priority, the opponent picks secures, you randomly select research station, pretty good for you, right? Cause you lost prior, you have last activation. You could probably like move in like maybe Enchantress bow someone off the point or maybe do like a Valkyrie throw or, or just, I don't know, a Shuri push. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit, right? Um, and as long as you don't run into syndicate randomly, that's probably like one of your best choices, I think, if you lose prio. And then if you win prio and you choose um, extracts and you throw out research, at least it's not like the end of the world, right? Like you still can fight for it and uh, have game into it. And it's probably like a low risk choice. Um, so, you know, instead of like sort of turn zero, which is like, when you're rolling dice for priority and deciding things, that's when you make a lot of decisions currently. I think now you're going to be doing a lot of decision-making like at home, you know, like before (laughs) you even go to the event, you're going to have to think like, what do people play? What do I think people are going to play? So then kind of guess on that, you know? So one idea I had, so when I hit the point with my Asgard roster that I was like, all right, I feel very advantaged if I can choose secures because most people aren't building rosters around deadly meteors and spider portals. So I, I feel advantage against almost every roster. But let's say I don't get to go priority. And they go, well, I sure as hell don't want to play deadly meteors. So I am choosing secures. What 
do I do on the extract side of things to get an advantage? And so one thought that I had was kind of like flexing Corvus in with reality and being like, well, I'm going to choose the like um, scrolls and um, alien ship and being like, well, maybe I'll like flex into having this team that can like, you know, kind of play a black order esque sort of team um, that can either like murder whoever's holding it or has a better chance of flipping and getting it on the last activation, that sort of thing. Um, which was not something I got to fully test out. Cause honestly at the time Corvus plus reality was two slots and that's just yeah. really hard and it yep, just, yeah. it hurt the roster too much. But that was just a theory that I had where I'm like, I'm trying to get some sort of advantage on the extract side. And that seems like the decision's gotten harder because I used to really like evacuation and now it's a restricted card because of hired muscle and all of those shenanigans. It was one of the few extracts that felt like if you had a team that could do really specific things on it, um, like just a lot of the time I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have hella double move, take an evacuee on their side of the board. And I've got, you know, Odin's blessing. They're going to have a really hard time putting her into the dirt and they'll suffer the consequences if they fail. And she lives. I have all the power to evacuate. it. Yeah. Uh, but again, that that's was one of the few extracts that you could kind of get some sort of advantage. And that's a lot harder choice now. Uh, I'm just not sure what that extract selection should look like. Yeah, well, we should. I don't know that we officially said it, but like in my mind on day one, I was like, all right, a Web Warrior player is going to play cubes, spider infected, and the hammers, which is fear grips the worthy. Um, in my mind, it's like, all right, you play like Enchantress, Amazing Spider Man, both. I don't know. And, you know, you just try to always get that middle extract and try to just hold an advantage, you know, and score a lot of points. Um, not to mention on like something like hammers, you can really be crazy and like put like amazing Spider-Man on like say the left corner, go grab a hammer, then run away in two moves. And then on the opposite side, you could go have like black cat go stand next to the other hammer holder. And because you have priority, you can turn to like R and D let's say uh, power to black cat, steal their hammer and then double long run away. Uh, so not only do you have now like your hammer super safe on turn one, but you now have their hammer and probably very safe with a stealth double long moving character who also can hop later on in the game, you know, to, to get that even further distance. Right. Yeah. So that's, sure. that's some shenanigans you can do. Um, so then I listened to Morgan Reed, who is someone I respect greatly when it comes to competitive discussion. He had like a completely different take on it. He's like, he thinks that everybody's just going to play like scrolls and um, alien ship, even when playing like web warriors, because it's the lowest risk. And then maybe like just try to win on like the secure game, early game perhaps, um, because you know, web warriors can pull people off of secures and do that kind of stuff. Um, well, it we definitely just... feels like almost everyone's going to have hammers because at least n very few teams feel really disadvantaged with it. Like maybe I'm trying to think, even think of a good example. Um, mm, 
I've heard people claim webwares are not actually good at it, but I think, mm, I don't know. Maybe Wakanda is actually worse at hammers than anybody. I will say I generally didn't like taking hammers with Asgard because it, it increased the odds of someone spiking and like getting to days. One of my characters that I wanted to like be healing them and keeping them up. And then it also, if I have to hold one, then it's harder for me to use Odin's blessing. And so I will say, I don't like it with Asgard. I might hate hammers too. Cause they got those like repeating tactics cards. Yeah. So that's an, a thought um, there for those guys. Um, on the plus side, Guardians doesn't mind hammers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, you know, <clears throat> I think I agree with you. I mean, hammers is it's kind of the, the age old argument. There, there's a um, a concept in X Wing where two people do what they call a joust, where like they both just charge at each other and try to kill each other. Uh, and there's this like phrase that I always love to hear, which is basically if two people are jousting, someone's wrong. You know, because yeah. both people believe that they're the, the bigger guy, right? Because you wouldn't charge into the enemy if you didn't think you were going to win. <laughs> but if both people are doing the exact same strategy, someone's wrong, right? Exactly, yeah. Um. So in that same regard, if you love hammers and your opponent loves hammers, like one of you actually doesn't love hammers as much as the other guy, uh, who is that person, right? Like which one of you is wrong? I, you know, who knows, right? It's not always obvious. <laughs> But hey, even maybe even a lot of the time, it's not obvious, but it is still true. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then if if I like, first of all, hammers is always already like insanely popular. I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I think it's got to be like 50 plus percent of yeah. people. It's just fun. Them. Like it's it's generally yeah. a fun crisis. Who doesn't want to get to roll more dice when they're attacking? Yeah, I mean, even from back in the day. Panic and Hammers was my favorite. I, from day one, season one, I was jamming these two a lot. And I love the threat value, too. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Panic got restricted for good reason. Um, it actually can be manipulated pretty poorly sometimes. And that sucks. Because when you actually play like a fair Panic game, I love it. I really do. I just love that like we each kind of start on an even footing. And then what happens in the game matters. Um, but I get why, like, you know. The game needs to like have the lack of parity to create action, you know. Yeah, um, someone you get into these really weird situations where you're starting to think about like next round. You're like, wait a minute, if they have priority and they're at six power, they just win. And so you have yeah, to like think yeah, about no. the beginning of next turn and like it, it. It was like simultaneously one of the best designed extracts. And also one of the worst. Yeah, it definitely has its weaknesses. Trust me. I, yeah, it's yeah. it's got problems. But my point is that um, knowing that hammers might actually go from like super popular to even more popular would make you think maybe I should make something in my list that's good at hammers. For example, Amazing Spider-Man or Black Cat or you know Enchantress. You know. Or, yeah. Or, do you want to? Yeah. Do you? Angela. It almost feels like teams almost have to like build in a plan for okay if i'm go if i don't have priority and my opponent gets to like steal an extract or you know whether they take a hammer and back up or they take the center cube and back up um what am i going to do about that like do i need to have some sort of like mystique with exception to like walk them back into 
enchant range for enchantress plus advanced R&D to like steal it back from them, you know, do you, what sort of plans are we going to have to build into our teams to deal with this? Or is it going to be like Morgan said, Yelise does feel like you can make plans for scrolls and uh, alien ships. Yeah. Which, well, if you watch like the really high level players and, and I watch them, I love watching high level players, but like you'll notice like the most successful players are often very risk adverse people, you know? And like, don't get me wrong, like doing some crazy flashy things. Like, I mean, we're going to see Helios lasers do some crazy things probably in our future. Right. Yes. But, uh, the people who are risk adverse are going to probably be the people who maybe go towards alien ship scrolls and just say, you know what? I don't want to deal with all the mind games behind these other things, you know, and I don't want to feel like my, my extract punished me this game you know um so i think that's kind of a little bit pessimistic and we really don't know what's going to happen the meta is going to be crazy like i think you brought up a good point with like if you win prior you can probably set up your secures to like you know work for you or you pick your extracts to always work for you and kind of set it up i found that kind of interesting what you're saying about that with like basically if you lose prior the extracts can the secures can like bail you out right and then if you have prior this extracts can bail you out um i i just i don't know because then can the opponent turn that against you right um maybe right because if they they can see like oh he took like all extracts that are good when you have prior and he took all secures that are good when you don't have prior so maybe they can take the secures to punish you and then they have prior. So now they're using your extracts against you. That's like the weirdness of it all. Like trying to find some way to not be punished, you know? Um, yeah, which, the, yeah. The, the interesting thing is, 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 is there a way that you can set up your crisis? So if I'm choosing extracts and I don't have priority that I can make good choices that benefit me. And I'm not sure the answer to that, but it makes me wonder if the future of roster design is going to require you to basically have two fundamental team plans, one for when you have priority and one for when you don't. Because it feels like for the most part right now, that's not the case. Most people have a rough team design and whether whether they have priority or don't, that's what they're playing. And they'd miss maybe like one or two characters get shuffled around a little bit depending on the crisis, but it almost doesn't matter whether or not they have priority. Yeah. Kind of like to, to recap a little bit, like for example, my X-Men, I basically just played my, the best characters I could that X-Men could utilize. You know, it was just, I didn't see it as like, I had like X-Men roster and then like these weird, like tangents I could go on. I I saw it as like one cohesive team that was just really working around threat values, you know? Um, And so what I would use my objectives to like speed up or slow the game down ever so slightly to kind of help me with what I felt was the pace of the game I needed to get that team to victory. That's gone now. So will we be able to adjust how we roster build? I, I I'm skeptical because 10 characters sounds like a lot, but 
it certainly didn't feel like a lot when I was building my X-Men team, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, it definitely feels feels very tight. There, there's a part of me that's always wondered if fundamentally the best strategy would be that you have a roster that can play a very aggressive, attrition-focused game plan when you have priority, but when you don't have priority, you can play a very heavy displacement like rearrange your opponent's characters sort of secure game plan. It that I mean that fundamentally, like at its core, seems like the right decision, but at the same time, I don't think anybody's doing that. You know, I think Webware is secretly like has this weird attrition with you know, with all webbed up. It's like yeah, they just have these like exploding moments. Um yeah, I don't know anyone else that like pivots well with that stuff. I mean, well, I think Wakanda me. certainly could, right? Because mm. Wakanda obviously is a great displacement team, but they also have a bunch of built-in rerolls and such. It feels like if you wanted to, like you could play Proxima and Corvus in a Wakanda roster, especially now with being able to take reality for no additional slot. And they they only their their core team right is four three two, so you can fit Corvus and Proxima at seventeen, um, or you could do Modok and something like you have options. You could do uh, Modok, Killmonger, um, Shuri, Black Panther. Like it feels like they could play a very um, attrition focused team if they wanted to. Yeah, I could see it. Um, like, I think Wakanda's stocks are kind of going down a little bit because, like, you have these very popular mystic attackers these days. Um, I think that, especially with Hulk around the corner, I think defenders are about to get more popular, which probably only would just frustrate Wakanda more. Um, like, I, I think right, Wakanda, like- I'll never count Wakanda out. <laughs> I think they've won, like, three out of five events or whatever. Obviously, um, the re-roll thing hit them, but it looks like that's all getting adjusted. Yeah, and, that's true. I, it, and it just won't because, be long, right? Yeah, and, and just because Black Panther specifically doesn't get his additional defensive tech against Mystic, it's not like he's bad against Mystic. He's still six health with three Mystic defense and access to re-rolls. Okay, but here's a counterpoint. Um, I think Shuri has gotten really in a bad place. Like, so... I think a lot of people like me are going to want to like take the, I mean, the spender secures, you know, like sure. He's kind of just horrible at map C in general. And then, and then you add in that the spender, so it doesn't really do anything. She's pretty squishy. Um, I mean, killing Shuri is, is kind of a thing, you know, and, I think that's going to be the number one use of Helios laser is going to be nuking Shuri. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the laser is crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just sure he feels like a gaping hole. And then, dude, I will bet you right now, like, there's no way a Koye doesn't get nerfed, right? Like, Koye is the uh, well, I don't well, know. that that's getting into a hypothetical, yeah, that's a whole other world, but yeah, I, but back I, to the point. Do you think that rosters should have a different plan when they have priority versus when they don't? Because it does yeah, feel a little weird that everyone's plan is roughly the same, whether you have it or you don't. You're still playing a similar team, and maybe I that's think defenders. Be- defenders can do it. 
like yes. the whole like Hulk cube runaway or oh I'll just kill you. Uh, you know, they they could throw Wanda and Strange through the portal and just do their thing, right? Um, that seems pretty strong. Yeah, it feels like a defender's team, right? You have priority. You're like, boom, I'm going to do cubes. I'm going to steal three cubes with Hulk. Great. You're screwed. But defenders could easily switch to a displacement strategy, right? Because you have Strange, Valkyrie. I know that not everybody likes Spider-Man, but I, I like Spider-Man. But you could still do it with yeah. Hulk, right? You They could switch to a team that's easily five characters where every single character can move at least one character, if not multiple, per round. I think Ancient One is actually Ancient One's actually affiliated defender. She's got that weird like if you attack me, I pull you to me, so don't attack me kind of thing going on. <laughs> um, and Ancient One loves the extra dice from Strange. Defender is definitely a great example of someone who can pivot and scare you on both fronts. Um, yeah. I'm kind of surprised we've never seen like maybe we'll see more of it in the future, but having access to Thanos in a roster, like if you have the ability like, Oh, when I have priority, I'm going to play murder mode, black order. Oh, I don't have priority now. Hmm. Let's, I mean, I guess black order is the bad example because they can almost always get priority. I played against QTR uh, last season. Uh, I think it was like my game five. It was basically like winning in kind of thing. And he played Wakanda, um, Wakanda plus Thanos. So it's like the three Wakandans and then Thanos. Yep. And I legit, like, he honestly made, like, one small mistake with his power, and it cost him the entire game. But I, I could have lost that game. Um, let me tell you, when when Thanos gives uh, an injured side Panther extra dice and he does the <laughs> Panther rerolls, uh, I mean, oh. dude, he, he literally, in one attack, killed Corvus and Corvus at full health. And that's crazy. probably not even that crazy of a spike. That's probably no. relatively average. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, I, as I was watching all those dice fall, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> nine dice, reroll all, plus the just even without Shuri, right? Your nine yeah. dice, reroll all, plus his leadership for an additional reroll. Like right there, you're probably already at the math. You're probably already getting seven successes without yeah. Shuri. It's a little bit less flexible without the gem rule, but it is what you're saying. He he had like mind, and he was just moving me all over the place, and it was brutal. Um, so, yeah, and you know, Thanos is a thing. I, you can definitely put him all over the place. I know the foes were super into him for a while, so he might make a comeback there. Yeah, I think Thanos in general is probably going to see more play with the the ability for anyone to just go. I'll take Thanos plus mind gem. Sure. Seven threat. I've got uses for that one one slot instead of two. But where, where do you feel with Asgard? I mean, I know Asgard. I think a lot of people think of Asgard as an attrition list, but I think they're actually oh, God. Ex, like more extract first, or not extract, but like more objective based. Like with Rainbow Bridge and like Odin's blessing, yes, it's hard to like take them down. You know? Yeah, they're to me Asgard is not an attrition team at all. They, yeah. They're attrition in the sense of they can take a beating and keep going. But right. I generally like to, when people are like, oh yeah, you know, you're like, what, what about four Asgard? I'm like, I don't like using four Asgard. I don't want to give my opponent any power. I want to play crisis that makes them spend power. And then I don't want to make any attacks into them if I can help it and just keep them power starved 
and then try to negate as much damage as I can. And Odin's Blessing, if you can Odin's Blessing a builder attack, when they get a big spike that would give them power, then you're like, nope, you get one power. Enjoy that. Like, the more that you can do that, you just leave them starved and, like, ineffectual against Asgard while Asgard just continues doing its thing. Like, that's where I feel like their strength is. I I think they're awful at, like, actual yeah, attrition. Like, attrition, right. Bla- like, compared to Black Order and Defenders and Cabal and now Spider-Foes, like, they're not even in the conversation. And if you try to play right. them that way, you're going to be disappointed. Interesting, yeah. And they, they're a little weird at certain threat values, which can be a problem. Yeah, they definitely, sometimes. Asgard, you have to have another affiliation built in because they can't play the low threat levels well enough. So I, I always play the Asgard and Wakanda, but I, I think you could probably make Asgard Web Warriors work too. Interesting. Um, yeah. But I, I found because I wanted a Koye most of the time anyway, and I felt like Shuri was practically required for Gamma Wave, um, it was. And I like Black Panther. It was pretty easy to flex in Wakanda. But hmm. interesting. Be, I think our, our crisis future is going to be very interesting. The the crisis crisis is... Uh, I'm very curious to see where everyone goes with it. Yeah, I mean, even if um, there is a... I don't think there'll be a best way to do it because I guess the point of all this conversation is not everybody's playing the game the same way. And and I don't mean even players, but like the affiliations want to do different things. So I think at the end of the day, there'll be like probably three or four like sort of super popular ways to do things. And then I, I can't understate enough the sort of like I'm at home staring at my cards phase because <laughs> no, seriously, like you, you're going to know zero. probably you're maybe, maybe not like what everyone's playing at the store, but there's maybe like a few guys, you know, are like the best players. And so you can kind of think, all right, well, I probably wouldn't get away with playing demons downtown against like black order, but nobody's bringing black order to the event tomorrow you know so i'm gonna be i'll bring demons downtown because in this world i'm the best attrition team or at least even you know because what you don't want to do is be the the person again like we were saying if two people are doing the same thing one of them's wrong you don't want to be the guy slamming demons and then like the better attrition team shows up on the other side of the table right so that's like a little bit of metagaming and it can be fun and it's a little it, um, card games go pretty much the same way. I mean, you make a sideboard, but you never have enough space in your sideboard for everything you want. So you have to make, you know, sacrifices. So, you know, I think that's going to be a, th- a thing. And even with our, you know, online players and whatever, we're all going to be trying to hedge maybe it's small advantages and thinking, Oh, well, you know, there's a lot of good players that play this affiliation, but not in my bracket, you know, so I'll just try to, you know, cheat a little and maybe play this thing. That's really good for my team, but maybe not always good for my team. You know, we, we've come up with many examples like research station, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my final thoughts on this matter is if this leads to a greater variety of crisis cards being played, it is a good thing. Mm. If it leads to even less crisis cards being selected, that's probably not a good thing. Or if it ends up where there's less competitive affiliations because not as many can 
build a good extract and secure plan that can cover six different cards well enough, then I would say it's not a good thing. But barring those two situations, if it just leads to a greater variety of games, I think we all just get sick of playing Gamma Wave over and over again. And the more variety that we can play, like if you go out like, I mean, I'm going to go play some games at Mox Bellevue tomorrow um, with Dr. Jake and we might play three totally different crisis using the new crisis rules. And that sounds fun as hell. Like that seems like a good day, but we'll have to see if I can figure out good plans. Cause I'm like, well, what are, what are Avengers going to do with my extracts? I am not 100%. Do I just want to take hammers? Is that a good decision? Maybe not. Yeah. I think that's well said. Um, and I can definitely see myself having moments of sadness when, you know, maybe a secure more extracts I can imagine would kind of frustrate me, you know, like, Oh man, I really didn't want him to like grab that thing and run away. And so you, if you don't have plans for it, I don't know. And like you said, that might be a thing where certain teams just kind of stink now because they don't really have the best choices. And, And I mean, some like, my earliest bad memories of this game was playing scrolls. And I, I played this friend of mine, like this is like literally like corset games. Right. And the, the guy, he, two games in a row, he just double moved up a uh, Spider-Man and just, you know, got the scroll. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the first time it happened, I was pretty frustrated. And like, I was like, Oh, let's just play it out. But like, he's just running away, which you know, whatever, he's doing the right thing. I mean, you don't charge the enemy while holding a scroll. But, uh, you know, he, 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 I think he won the game or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, that was, I want to, I don't want to hate scrolls. So let's play it again because there's no way you'll get that lucky again. And then he literally just did it again. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Now you have to have a plan. Like, if scrolls is becoming popular, What's your plan for, like, are you going to run Mystique and Deception to, like, pull them into your team so uh, Enchantress can steal it? Or do you, you know, have Gwen walk up, you know, shoot him with web to get one free and then, like, pull them in so that, you know, some part of your team can go murder mode? Like, what's your plan? There's a lot more characters now. So I feel like now you'd have a kind of a plan for it. But are the rosters going to have the characters and the card slots and everything to make it feel like you you can answer those things. I think totally. that's, that's yeah. what we're going to need game time and table time to uh, to answer those questions. And maybe sure. just more extracts in general. Yeah, just more, right? Because that's how I started the conversation is like, hey, this is only what we know right now because this is what exists. But, I mean, we don't know another year from now and there might be like, five of everything, (laughs) you know, and and maybe that is more interesting, you know? Um, Yeah. And can you imagine I'm playing scrolls and like, I have crossbones trying to chase somebody around. I mean, luckily we don't live in the corset only days anymore. Right. But for sure, you know, so many more choices and black cat and Chantress are interesting. Um, Not to say that's it. Like we said earlier, Thanos, um, I don't know. I think even Amazing Spider-Man, if he if he's chasing people, he's so fast. So he might go grab them, or you've got all the crazy webwares that can pull people. Like Gwen can uh, chase you down, and then Venom might be able to pull you into. Um, 
more characters yeah. that can hand out slow. You know, there's a lot of things that can be done now. So we'll see. But I think this is a good spot to wrap up the primary episode. Um, first off, Sploosh, thank you so much for diving into this topic with me. I thought this would be a fun one. You're a, you're a very strong tactical mind. So I felt like this was going to be a good conversation and approved to be. Oh, thanks. Um, but obviously listeners, if you want more Sploosh, definitely go check out the, the danger room. I always want to say the danger zone. I'm like, go check <laughs> out the danger zone. Uh, um, that song's in my head now. <laughs> yeah, <you're> welcome. <laughs> Maybe on April Fool's you release an episode and you do a uh, danger zone instead. Uh, that actually would be, I'm going to have to write that down. Yeah. That'd um, be funny as hell. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, we are going to have a bonus episode. We're going to dive into some more like kind of general crisis talk, maybe a little bit more fun focused, but we'll see how it goes. So if you're subscribing on Patreon, you will have some bonus content with me and Sploosh. If not, check out the danger zone, danger room with Sploosh and Jacob and Dizard and, you know, always a great show. I've already starting to catch up myself, but. I will end the episode on the most OP thing that you can do is not choose demons downtown when it's better for your opponent. How do you always do that ending so well? Like, you write this down in the middle of the, the talk, just you're like, oh, that would be a good ending, and then no, no, I don't have anything written down. You don't seriously come up with that instantly, do you? Uh, usually maybe a minute or so before I have to say it. Damn, that's skills <laughs> right there.